Welcome to the Empower Podcast by Mitchell. I'm your host, Shelly Callahan, and today we're sitting down with Mitchell's Chief Clinical Officer, Mitch Freeman, to discuss medical marijuana. Thanks so much for joining us, Mitch. Thank you very much. Medical marijuana is certainly a hot topic right now, with more and more concerning stats coming out about the opioid crisis, various laws across the country, and conflicting legislation between the state and the federal government. It's really easy to get overwhelmed. So Mitch, let's start by looking at what is considered medical marijuana, and what are some of the benefits? Yeah, sure. So medical marijuana is really using the whole or the parts of the actual marijuana plant um, to treat symptoms. Uh, You know, this medical marijuana can also include oils or extracts. Um, It can be consumed in as marijuana cigarettes, smoking, vaping, um, even um, eating the actual whole plant as well, such as, you know, eating marijuana brownies as well, you know, those types of things. Um, a lot of different um, conditions have been targeted for per, per, perhaps being treated by medical marijuana. Those include MS, uh, glaucoma, um, nausea associated with um, cancer treatment, HIV, um, and helping to um, increase uh, weight gain associated with that, as well as uh, you know something more related to workers' compensation would be the treatment of chronic pain. Can you explain the difference between medical and recreational marijuana for us? Yeah, sure. So if you're using it to treat an actual condition, it's considered medical marijuana. Uh, Recreational use uh, really just means um, the ability to purchase and use marijuana uh, for the sake of its intoxicating properties and really um, achieving that high associated with marijuana use. Um, when you, there are two components, really active ingredients in marijuana itself. Uh, there is THC and cannabidiol, which is known as CBD as well. So those two components are the main active ingredients in marijuana. Uh, the THC is associated with the high that you typically get and associated with the intoxication of, of using marijuana recreationally. Uh, for medical use, the focus has primarily been, a, been focused on the cannabidiol portion of the, of the marijuana, which um, does not have the intoxicating effects that the THC does. Uh, so obviously from a medical standpoint, you would want uh, a drug that with components that would treat the, the condition effectively, but not induce the intoxication that you would see from the THC. Marijuana has been a controversial issue in the United States for many years now. Can you explain a little bit more why? Yeah, marijuana has a long history in and of itself of being controversial. Um, If you go back to uh, the 60s and um, a lot of the anti-drug legislation and war on drugs really uh, cornered marijuana and lumped it in with all the other um, very dangerous drugs like heroin, uh, cocaine, and those types of drugs. We now have better clarity in that marijuana in and of itself is not uh, nearly as addictive as previously thought or perhaps um, implied through those legislations. Um, however, you know, it is a drug of abuse in and of itself, and it is illegal technically, um, a class one drug that it has no um, valid medical use as well as a high abuse potential. 
So because of that, it, it's illegal still nationally. Um, however, individual states have started to pass medical marijuana laws, um, making it legal in those states. So there's a conflict between the state law and the federal law. And that in and of itself make, makes it very controversial, uh, especially when it comes to you know, numerous things like um, you know, if you are using medical marijuana, you feel like you're protected from state law, but you could be prosecuted under federal law. If you are a grower and you're growing medical marijuana or marijuana for medical use, uh, you're covered under state law, but could be arrested and prosecuted under federal law. Um, so in addition to just the conflict in law, there's this longstanding uh, fear of the abuse potential of, of marijuana in and of itself. Uh, we know now that uh, the actual danger of overdose death is extremely low with uh, far less cases of uh, overdose deaths than even alcohol, uh, much less drugs like heroin that are you know widespread. Um, but still, we don't know enough about the drug in and of itself, its benefits or its true risks long term to feel very comfortable about that. The opioid crisis is also on the forefront of many people's minds. How does medical marijuana play into this conversation? Sure. Yeah, I, I think you'd have to be living under a rock not to be aware of the opioid epidemic that we're in. Right. So, uh, you know, over 40,000 people a year die from opioid uh, deaths from opioid overdose deaths. Um, in addition to that, we still have a prescribing problem with opioids. Uh, one in four long-term users of opioid prescriptions have become addicted uh, or have issues with addiction. So we, we're finding out finally that opioids are not the answer to chronic pain treatment. And I think as a nation, we're looking for alternatives to that. Um, as we talked about earlier, a potential use for medical marijuana is the treatment of chronic pain. And knowing that it doesn't have uh, the addictive properties that opioids possess and that, you know, if we could use the cannabidiol um, component of marijuana to effectively treat chronic pain, I don't think that most people uh, would have an issue with that. So you've seen public sentiment shift over the time um, from a very fearful um, perspective of, of marijuana in general to more of an accepting. And you can see that by legislation sweeping across the country uh, for the use of medical marijuana. I, I think now at the time of this recording, 29 states allow medical marijuana even more, but, but broad use um, for a number of medical conditions in 29 states. So you can see the public shift of its attitude towards medical marijuana, and a lot of that has been driven by the opioid crisis and looking for effective alternatives to opioids. So Mitch, you mentioned that it seems like public opinion has shifted in regards to legalizing medical and recreational marijuana, but it's still illegal federally. So what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I don't really want to get too political, but there's yeah. there's numerous reasons um, why they why federally they may not reschedule the drug. Um, rescheduling the drug would allow for a lot of things. It currently being a Schedule One drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes it difficult to research. So if there are you know valid uses for the drug, um, we could find that out and be better able to find out the true uh, risks associated and the benefits of utilizing either medical marijuana or the individual components of marijuana in order to develop better drugs to treat chronic pain and these other conditions that aren't addictive as well. So 
there would be benefits to rescheduling it. And it's a great question. Why would it not be rescheduled? Mm -hmm. um, is some of that leftover fear um, of its potential abuse? Uh, you have to, if you're questioning all potential reasons, you have to say, well, from a lobbying standpoint, uh, when you talk about big pharma, um, if you know billions of dollars a year are spent on opioids, if it's no longer viable and it can be um, treatment of chronic pain could happen from local growers of medical marijuana, you're talking about a big shift of large amounts mm -hmm. of money. Um, and those contributions do come in from big pharma to um, politicians as well. Um, in addition to that, you also have to think um, there's the issue of funding within the government. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the DEA funding and FDA funding that's used, especially the DEA, that's used to um, fund various different um, you know, functions of that agency are funded through um, funds that are allocated to the war on drugs and, um, and to marijuana um, in and of itself. You know. Uh, this Drake falls all the way through a lot of government agencies as well, law enforcement, um, prison systems. <laughs> you know, it's a big, huge issue from that standpoint. Um, and then there is the valid concern that it's not a well-tested drug, but that's a paradox. You know, that's we don't know, we don't know what the benefits and risks are of marijuana because we haven't been able to test it. Let's now turn to workers' compensation specifically. Can you discuss medical marijuana's role in workers' comp and what concerns may arise? Yeah, so there, there's definitely the distinction between medical marijuana and recreational marijuana, correct? And, um, you know, many, many employers have a zero-tolerance drug policy in their company as well. The concern comes from when you have an employee that's injured at work and they live in a state that where medical marijuana is legal and they're prescribed medical marijuana, how does the reimbursement of that work and are there concerns about the efficacy and safety of marijuana that, you know, that is procured through, um, through their prescription of their physician in the, in the medical marijuana use? The state laws surrounding this vary greatly by jurisdiction. Uh, so one of the earliest to address this issue was New Mexico, where they actually require reimbursement of medical marijuana, and it's it's very clear. Uh, just a handful of states have followed suit with that, demanding the reimbursement uh, for medical marijuana. On the other hand, you get other states like Florida, Louisiana, that actually state that um, medical marijuana does not have to be reimbursed. Uh, so it, it really is a jurisdiction by jurisdiction case. Uh, what concerns insurers and employers is that I'm, in, I'm reimbursing essentially for um, an illegal substance federally. So you do still have that, you know, you have that conflict in, in the legislation. Um, most payers have decided to uh, reimburse the, the patient or the injured worker directly um, instead of reimbursing a dispensary so therefore they're not technically purchasing the medical marijuana they're essentially just reimbursing the claimant for an expense that occurred um, related to their injury one you know one other thing concern about about medical marijuana and its use in, in workers compensation is you have zero tolerance drug policies within employers uh, but you have an employee that's been injured that is using these um, medical marijuana for treatment 
Um, so there's a lot of confusion on how to handle those situations. Um, obviously, you have zero tolerance drug policy and you can't have someone intoxicated from marijuana in the workplace. So this is an issue employers and are going to have to wrestle with and state legislatures are going to have to wrestle with, um, you know, as well as um, to what extent can you test drug test and fire, you know, and terminate employment uh, for positive marijuana tests in states that allow medical marijuana. Mm -hmm. So it's an issue that's been evolving over time. Um, and hopefully it will reach some level of clarity as, as time goes on. Are there any specific court cases that have occurred in recent years that can give light to the conflicting directions that jurisdictions are taking? Yeah, so we, I mean, every state jurisdiction is different. We mentioned that in Louisiana, it's legislated that you don't have to reimburse, mm -hmm. but in New Mexico, you have to reimburse. Mm -hmm. And you know, there are other examples of this that we see that vary state to state uh, for other reasons. So. Uh, enforcing zero tolerance drug policies is another example where we saw a case in Massachusetts of an individual uh, utilizing medical marijuana to treat a condition, um, tested positive for marijuana, and was terminated. Uh, that was, you know, the individual filed suit and said it was, you know, discriminating against a medical condition under the ADA, American for Disabilities Act, and uh, it was ruled in her favor that, in fact, uh, it, it was wrongful termination. Uh, it, conversely, if you look to Colorado, there was, you know, which is a state that not only allows medical marijuana, but actual recreational marijuana. Uh, there was a, uh, an instance where an individual using medical marijuana was fired for the zero tolerance drug policy. Um, and you know, they filed suit for wrongful termination and he ultimately lost the case. So you can see each state is different and it, just like workers' compensation and, and many other aspects of, of marijuana included, um, it's going to be vastly different policies, laws, regulations, and um, you know outcomes on on the way that these these cases are handled state by state. It's pretty apparent that the current landscape of marijuana in the U.S. is conflicting and confusing. But is there hope for a clearer future? What do you think we can expect? So clinically, there are some very large challenges in the use of medical marijuana long term. Um, there is some difficulty in standardizing of dosing. Uh, but, you know, there are products out there that do standardize the level of THC and CBD in those products. Uh, however, when you buy those products, they're not pure THC or CBD, uh, tetrahydrocannabinol um, or the cannabidiol. Um, and those really should be standardized because you're not getting pure THC or CBD. You're also getting other related compounds because it is a plant or an extract. Um, when you look at pharmaceutical products, they are pure active ingredient along with other binders and buffers and things uh, to deliver the drug. Um, as we move forward into testing which of these components are really beneficial and have low side effects and um, really are promising in the use and the treatment of conditions, um, I would think that these the active ingredient would be purified and ultimately end up into a pharmaceutical product. I just think that's the logical progression. And you know, you know, let's face it, the, the pharmaceutical companies uh, would have the financial wherewithal to bring these products to market. Um, 
once that happens, then it's much more clear to payers as well on how to reimburse for these drugs. Um, these drugs would, you know, have an NDC number and national drug code number assigned to them. They would be dispensed in pharmacies. They would be under tight control. They would be managed by pharmacy benefits managers, and they would uh, flow naturally into the rest of medical treatment. So long term, that's where we kind of see this going. Um, but in the short term, it, it may be fairly messy with um, you know 50 different state laws on the use of medical marijuana and different concentrations of THC to CBD and some states allowing um, you know, raw marijuana, edible smoked marijuana, um, uh, or edibles only and oils only. So it's it's uh, going to take, I think, a long time for us to get there and get clarity on this without uh, a federal change in policy from Congress. Um, but I think ultimately it, it will get worked out. Thus far, the federal government has taken somewhat of a hands-off approach to legislation that the states have been passing. However, in the past few weeks, Attorney General Jeff Sessions released this memo that may make it more difficult to see the future you were just discussing. Can you tell us a little bit more about the memo and what do you think the repercussions are? So, yeah, this all started with what was termed the Cole Memo. Uh, that occurred in the Obama administration. And what the Cole memo stated was essentially uh, marijuana is federally federally illegal, but that the Department of Justice uh, would not pursue prosecution for marijuana-related offenses. Um, So what it really did was provide cover in those states where both medical marijuana and recreational marijuana was legal, and it offered growers, dispensers, and people involved Um, in those processes legal in the states uh, to feel some level of protection against federal prosecution. What the Sessions memo did was really revoke the Cole memo and it kind of removed that protection. So it really has made things confusing on what is going to happen uh, with the Department of Justice and kind of the stance that they're going to take overall. Uh, The response was that it allows it allows the district attorneys the ability to prosecute or not um, based on their discretion, which I think most people find um, pretty concerning. And it really um, amounts to inconsistent application of the law across across the nation. Mm-hmm. So um, it's going to have to, something that's going to have to be worked out, I think, between the administration and Congress. Um, If you look at medical marijuana, the vast majority of of the people um, across the nation support its use. Uh, Slightly fewer support recreational marijuana, but there is, you know, a growing acceptance um, in the states and a growing acceptance um, to eliminate a lot of the um, prosecutorial um, outfall, you know, increased uh, drug enforcement cost, uh, increased carceration that all have an impact on society overall. So I think the uh, the sentiment of the country is changing and it's going to be different to it's going to be difficult to unwind that. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have um, a, con- a Congress where uh, the Democrats um, favor the legalization or you know the non-prosecution of of marijuana related offenses 
And then you also have Republicans that have a lot of constituents in their states that support medical marijuana and also support state rights over federal rights. So I think it's going to be you know a messy battle for a while. Um, and I guess we'll just have to see how, how, they, how that turns out. Do you see any implications for insurers or adjusters after the memo was released? I don't think that it really changes the way that payers really look at the reimbursement of medical marijuana um, because, like I said before, most are reimbursing the patient or the injured worker directly. So technically, they're not in violation of, of the law, even though, and, uh, you know, it's always been illegal federally to begin with. Um, so even though they feel like they're protected in state laws or mandated by state laws, still, they all, they've always had this conflict that it's um, federally illegal. Uh, so I don't think a lot changes for them. I think what does change is the nature of the ability to make medical marijuana practical if the Department of Justice turn decides to crack down and actually prosecute uh, marijuana offenses. Mitch, thank you so much for your time. Medical marijuana is certainly a fascinating issue. See you guys soon. This is Shelly Callahan powering down the Empower podcast by Mitchell. Join the conversation and read articles on our website, mitchell.com slash empower. Empower.